Welcome to Dungeons and Diapers. I'm your host, Ryan, this week, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Crofton. How's it going, Crofton? Hey, Ryan. It goes, That's good. I mean, it goes, it goes COVID good. Co- well, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's the, what do they call it? It's not the new, we can't call it the new normal, because if this isn't the new more normal. We're going to get back to normal eventually at some point, but this is the, this is the new the new good, the COVID good, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, um, it's mental health week at the government in the government of Canada. That's where oh, I work. Oh, is it? Do they yeah, still do that? The, yeah. Lots of mental health awareness, uh, awareness activities. I actually attended a really interesting uh, um, seminar today about it. And it was very, very fascinating. But it is, it is funny because it is like everything is on a scale right now. We're all in uncertainty and and one of the big takeaways that i had today was what is your tolerance your personal tolerance with regards to uncertainty Mm. and um everybody has a different one and as a as a collective we have a different one and you see that unfolding in the states right now where people are like oh let's just get you know get back to normal get back to because they can't dealing with uncertainty is is very is very difficult and uh, i am learning a bit about myself and how that that is something that is almost the thing that i'm having the biggest problem with like when you ask somebody like what's it going to be like in august or what's it going to be like at christmas um is it going to be a return to normal or is it going to be completely different is there going to be like a second wave of covid is this i saw this interview uh, with Stephen King on Stephen Colbert and Stephen King, the novelist says he's, he's cursed by his imagination and uh, that he can imagine all these things. And he says, the problem with these, these diseases is that, that they come back and they'll, they, you know, the flu um, is one of the most vicious diseases. The regular flu comes back every year. They still don't understand it. They have to develop a new sort of vaccine every single year for it. Um, and the idea is this, this coronavirus could could come back every year and it could come back worse or it could come back better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Stephen King doesn't think in betters. He thinks in, in horror. He in thinks words. in horror horror yeah. genres, right? Like he's he's a yeah. It's the, that's his that's his job. And and the and the crazy part about everything going on is like there the 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 news comes in waves. In that I think right now, at least in my mind, at least for the last two weeks we've been in a phase of um the same the same information being repeated over and over again if you've been watching the briefings here in canada i had to stop watching them because he would or he uh, our prime minister would basically talk about this on monday talk about this on tuesday talk about this on wednesday and then rinse repeat now obviously there's been some you know other tragic news and announcements and stuff thrown in there um, but, uh, I think we were in that pattern and, and now we're getting into the summer months where every province and, and the federal government is having these conversations of like, okay, what's summer look like? And you're slowly seeing, uh, this, this trickle of like May events be, have already been canceled. You're seeing a lot of Canada day events being canceled. And, and then you try to think about, like, I put myself in Stephen King's shoes, putting himself in in the shoes of folks that are that are planning these summer summer events it's like do you want to be that that guy that place right and you i even saw it here in in peterborough um this is going to make you laugh we might have had this conversation before but does it surprise you that that peterborough has two walmarts uh no okay i thought i thought that was big it's not big enough but Peterborough has a very Walmart hungry population yeah. and uh, and that's there it is and and there was two Walmarts one Walmart there was a story put out in the local paper about two employees being sent home for being tested positive with COVID-19 and this is the other part of the virus that I know a lot of businesses and and events are worried about in that the second you have a story that mentions your business, your location, no matter who you are, having a positive test or a positive case, your business tanks. And and, and obviously people, anecdotally, the next day, the other Walmart in town had lines around the building. So I think that's another concern people have is like, is it worth the trouble of opening up our business, doing this event, yada, 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 like when it could cause 
irreparable, uh, you know, PR damage, let alone actual, you know, uh, uh, affect affect our our population, right? So that's, I think that's a lot of the concerns people have is is like maybe we just hold on for a little bit longer if they can. Obviously, there are some businesses that are not going to make it through this, and and I think that's that's the most that's that's the most uh, disparaging part about all this is that there's going to be a lot of small businesses that that suffer uh, and have to close down permanently, right? One thing I thought was funny about the uh, the the fairs and festivals and stuff. So Ottawa, the city I live in, has actually the biggest music festival in Ontario, which is uh, called Blues Fest. Although it's sort of a bit of a running joke in the sense that, uh, you know, like the headliner of Blues Fest one year is like the Wu-Tang Clan and next year it's Metallica or something. It doesn't <laughs> seem to be anything to do with blues. It's just a giant music festival, whatever. Um, people look forward to it every year. They buy their tickets, not even knowing what the lineup is because they have oh, so much really? confidence. Oh, yes. They have so much confidence. Like there's, you can get festival passes for the whole time. They know that the headliners are going to be big every year. They always are. That's so forth and so on. So anyway, uh, it was just really funny because like there was an article in the paper um, this past week, I think, or, or late last week. And it said, you know, the headline was like Blues Fest organizers still optimistic that 2020 event will proceed and then in the article there's it's written like yeah we're still awaiting news and all the, all of this meanwhile like canada day on the hill uh has been shut you know it's a virtual canada day they'd already made that call blues fest is in july maybe isn't maybe it late june? july maybe but bottom line is that they were they were optimistic and people are writing it's like a music festival where you're like just packed in together yeah your shoulder and, to and, shoulder and people are writing in the comments like these, you know, come on, Blues Fest, get with it. And everybody's like, the writing is on the wall here, guys. Mm. Like it's not, it's not. And then, like five hours later, that same day, the same paper <laughs> put out an article being like Blues Fest twenty twenty canceled, and and uh, uh, people were sharing it on on social media with the original article highlighting the timestamp and being like, "Life comes at you fast," <laughs> but uh, but it really it really does. Like Pete, they're having a hard time recognizing that this is going to go longer, you know, than than they think. And that's mm-hmm. in Canada. Like we may have some listeners in the United States or whatever, and they're they're in a completely different ball of wax. Depends on the state, depends where you are, all of this. But like here in in Ontario, Ryan and I are both in different parts of Ontario. We're just at a point where where things are loosening a little bit because the curve is being flattened, but it's not a lot. Like it's it's you know people are still being very very cautious and and are aware that we're in we're in what the speaker today at the mental health seminar I attended uh, called the grind like the grinding point point uh, he says you know when you're he used to run track and field and the people would cheer they don't cheer at the finish line they're cheer they, they go a lot of folks would go like you know twenty. 20 yards up from the finish line and start cheering because that's the grind. That's where the grind sits in at the finish line. You've done your job, but like 20 yards to go or whatever, you're, you're just, you're, you've, you know, you're tired, you're, you're digging deep. And that's what kind of we're in right now, which is like the COVID grind period. And hmm. uh, I think it's wearing on people for sure. Yeah. I just, um, it's, it's so tough, like to know when, when you can, when we're going to be able to move on. And, and I think, unfortunately, uh, you know, large gathered events are going to be the last thing to, to get the all clear. And, and, you know, the blues fest thing might come down strictly to an insurance thing where maybe they already put down money and they weren't going to get that money back unless someone made the first move And it. And, you know, if it's the festival canceling, it's so tough to say, right? Like, I just uh, I just laugh like their insurance provider is reading the paper that yeah. morning and being like, wait, <laughs> they think it's still on? Let me let, let, let me pick up the phone and they're yeah. like, oh shit. It's true. And and this is the this is the, the unfortunate part. I mean, uh, obviously in Canada we get a lot of like news from the states bubbling up and we see those those stories. I don't think it works both ways, you know, where um, Canada news makes it down to the states. 
unless it's like uh, really flies in their face. Um, but I I think you're gonna you're already seeing in the states you're seeing beaches open you're seeing parks open, and and here like I mean when it's gonna be interesting I think this summer is gonna really prove like you even saw it you had one one day. Doug Ford, the premier of Ontario, saying, well, I can't keep people away from cottage country. Those are taxpaying, you know, citizens like I can't stop them. And then a day later, he says, well, I talked to the mayors and they made a good point. And really, people should try to stay away from their cottages, you know, uh, because you're spreading it around like that's non-essential travel unless you have to go up to your cottage to 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 clean it or, or to maintain it. But to go up there for a a May two four ripper like that's that's non essential right? Um, I don't know. It's it's gonna oh, get Ryan. Crazy. Woo! What? Speak for yourself, Ryan. Oh yeah, to yeah. The no. essential ripper. Look, I'm just I'm just I'm just upset that I don't have a cottage. I think that's kind of where it comes down to. Do you have a cottage? No, actually, I was I was talking about this with my mm. wife. Um, just because the past couple of years we have kind of rented a cottage yeah. in the sandbanks area and um we this normally we would have rented it well before now uh it's in august often that we rent and so like again it's like what does august look like and now we're in may it's definitely not far and it's close enough that we can look at it soberly and say okay okay we're not going to rent the cottage but last month uh march even like when this was all starting like that was around the time that we would book Mm -hmm. and we were we were sort of like well what do you know what do we do now and uh and so we're at like tomorrow at work in my management meeting we're going to be talking about summer vacations and like people are going to (laughs) start placeholding their summer vacations and i'm like well yeah normally my summer vacation is based around uh, my daycare being closed, the daycare being closed for my youngest daughter, mm-hmm. the, you know, obviously the school closures and like what I'm, what my older daughter, uh, who's only five will be doing. Will she be going to day camp? Will we be doing childcare? And, and now they're both home and uh, the, I'm dealing with them on the regular anyway. So my, my summer vacation and what will my summer vacation be? It will essentially just be time off work while I am, uh, you know, at home here. Um, and, uh, that actually sounds pretty good right now, to be honest. But, um, at this, at the same point, like, uh, I think in an ideal world, we had ourselves going somewhere for the summer as did everybody. Oh yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I I'm definitely, we rented a cottage last year and I said to Ashley, it's like, this is it. Like, this is, this is the way to go away for a week, like staying at home and waiting for, you know, two Mondays from now to go back to work. Like that's not, a vacation renting a cottage and getting away and exploring a new location is is what's up and and i i get that i'm not disparaging people who want to you know escape a little bit and i and i think i think maybe not by may 2-4 but maybe by canada day we'll have some you know guidelines i think a lot of the 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 core thing was if you're going to the they were saying if you're going to the cottage bring everything you need with you so you don't have to you know visit other locations um, in that small town. And I mean, that brings up a whole new other issue with the fact that, you know, economic, you know, impact of cottage country is essentially it, it relies on these visitors visiting the restaurants, the shops and stuff. So like, it's, 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 it's a double-edged, you know, issue where it's Uh, like, it's crazy. They do, they do, they just don't have the medical capacity, you know, uh, if if you get, if you get sick there, whatever, um, they're not prepared for that sort of population influx. So, I mean, yeah, I know it it totally sucks. Um, Vacationing and and the hotel industry has been very hard. Like all, all of, all of these things, sports you name it like the world is upside down and it is it is funny because we continue on and and that's what i going back to my comments off the top about uncertainty and your tolerance for uncertainty um and the fact that like we've been used to the same beats over the past 10 20 30 years uh and and those beats maybe changed some of them forever and so it will be interesting to see uh, where where it goes yeah it's uh I've, I don't know, like in terms of uncertainty, I've, I've really been, I think I've been settling in, you know, week to week. And I think that's mostly been because of my, uh, you know, tie to a newborn right now. And, 
I think as we move further and further into the summer, it'll, it'll, the outlook will be, um, you know, further and further out, but I think really everyone's the operating. Thing, yeah. The newborn thing is interesting to me because you're not the only one of my friends that has a newborn right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I know everybody is different and, and their personality is different. How they act when they have children is different. My wife and I were, are very much like, we're fairly homebodies to begin with. But when we have a young baby, like we are around the house, like we, the big joke is we're not getting out to go to the restaurant or to go out on a date night or to go wherever for months after the birth of the baby, like it takes forever, right? Like you're, you're pretty much self-isolating just because you have a newborn, or at least we were. Um, And so in a way it kind of blissfully shields you, like everybody is doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You're not necessarily, you know, missing out. And it, it, it's kind of like, it's almost an optimal time to have it. Although it's not an optimal time to like give birth in a hospital where everybody is scared of COVID, but it is definitely like now, now that Isabel is with us, it's sort of a, a better it's better time to uh it's to very sort of chill yeah no it's it's certainly interesting like the the biggest difference i've noticed is the lack of of visitors and this is our third child so it's not like people are uh i i had discussed this on a previous episode like there's diminishing returns on having your third and then i i couldn't even imagine your fourth like people will probably just actively tell you don't worry about it i can judge what it looks based on on the pictures of your first three kids um and you know chances are it's gonna look like one of them uh i but, did a composite yeah exactly uh, uh but uh, oh you had another boy uh okay i'm gonna guess it looks like Caden. perfect um i think that uh it's interesting like a lack of visitors is it also you talk about you know getting away and going to a restaurant like having that lack of visitors it it doesn't even allow you like a like 10 minutes to to distract yourself with something else and, and maybe not think about the kids for once. Cause, because honestly you're on, you're on a hundred percent of the time with, with three kids. And that's what I said to Ashley. Like, I'm, I can't believe I, I'm going to say this because with Abigail and Kate and we had visitors constantly, but I, but with Isabel, we've had none um, outside of like, you know, the, I, I know what a goldfish feels like outside of like the tapping on the glass thing that's happened a couple times. Um, it's just one of those things where it's like when you have visitors and like, okay, perfect. You distract the two kids. You hold the baby. I'm going to go up and take a, 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 a bathroom break by myself, you know, for once. That's sort of the, that's sort of the takeaway that we're, we're missing out on. Right. Um, but, uh, obviously it's a, it's a sacrifice we're making and we're, I think we're, we're settling in, but, uh, you know, before we, delve into the diapers because i'll have more to say on that topic we should start with the dungeons because we've got some fun things here and i don't know where we want to start but um i'm curious to to know how far into final fantasy 7 are you uh the remake there are you are you close to finishing about halfway i like it's it's tough to gauge in the sense that i've never played the remade yeah neither have i but I can play it based. So you never played Final Fantasy VII remake? I, well, I've, new... I've I've played the I played the new one. I'm about uh, I'm in the second open area, um, probably okay. chapter eight or nine, I think. Right. So I'm in like chapter thirteen or something. I'm like, what? It's um, uh, in the original. Did you play the original Final Fantasy VII? No, I, I never did play the original. Oh my god! I know. All right. So so, so like look. Uh, for our listeners' benefit, there is a part uh, where you head upwards from a place to another place that has a big building with lots of stairs in it. And I haven't reached said building with the stairs. I'm heading upwards towards it. And I think I have just concluded the last open hub with all the mini quests because this game has three or four chapters in which there is a a bunch of mini quests and you're in one of them now. And uh, I just have, have just finished one as well. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, I guess Ryan, before I, and I know that you talked about this on the gamers end, but uh, before I go into my probably rant like opinion, <laughs> um, do you have any thoughts up to where you are right now you want to share with folks? Well, I think uh, having not played 
the the original um i will say this like i think the remake in my in my opinion is so well done that as someone is who is connected to the video game industry and video games as a whole feels like this um this nostalgia through my connection to uh my fellow video gamers right so i understand that final fantasy 7 is an important game for for a lot of gamers so that when i'm playing this i'm like holy shit i can kind of feel what these other folks or at least a percentage of what they're feeling by playing this remake like it, it feels very well done and very sort of right balance of like this is going to remind you of the original, but this is also us bringing the original and and tearing it down and building it back up in a way that works for 2020. And I'm not one for JRPGs, but honestly, this one's really clicking with me in the sense that it's not a huge open world experience, but a very directed, here are the five things you can do. Here's the one thing you have to do. Here are the battles. Here are the optional sort of items and stuff but i'm i'm really i'm really enjoying it and the combat's really cool like playing as tifa is just that is so much fun just being able to switch it up and like i don't want to use the sword guy anymore i want to use the punching lady you know i want to use the guy with the gun arm that sort of thing so uh that's sort of my like like small take on it for sure it is funny because like and like apologies to those of you who are listening of the million to millions of listeners that aren't into video games because i'm about to go full nerd on this one um final fantasy 7 obviously it's a remake of a game some say the most anticipated remake in video games there's a lot of remakes lately the resident evils have all been remade like it it's just it's just it taps into the nostalgia that folks like i have right uh, i played final fantasy 7 and not only did I play it, the context in which I played it was important, which was that I lived by myself, not by myself. I lived um, with three other guys, including Mike Hodgins, who I do another show with, Good, Bad, or Bullshit, in a house. Uh, and I went to college, and we would go to court classes, and we would come back, and we got a PlayStation, and we were all playing different games of final fantasy seven so i go to class i come back you know cody would be playing final fantasy seven i'd be like where are you and we were kind of like racing there was like a race element everybody's like going through the game and trying to uh, you know somebody's further someone's so uh, and you saw the different types of gamers like i'm i'm more of a story narrative guy i was the first to finish but i but mike was and 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 others were big into like creating a powerful party that could beat all the optional bosses and more sort of completionist and all this. So it was like a communal experience. We're constantly talking about it where it's constantly on during our teen years. And I think a lot of people had that when they were teens, final fantasy seven was huge and final fantasy seven is a teen game. Like when you play the original final fantasy seven, it is like nineties emo. Like mm. you're like your dude, your main dude doesn't talk in or doesn't talk much. In fact, he mostly says three dots, dot, dot, dot. That's a very Japanese thing to do. Like to have like dot, dot, dot. Like one character says one thing to another because there's no voice acting back then. It's one character says one thing to another. And then the other character responds with three little dots. It's which means that, I guess, awkward silence, but they have replaced those three little dots in this remake, which I'm about to talk about with grunts and weird sounds. And it really bothers me. Like, it's just, I'm like, Oh my God, could you just have, but that's new. That's new GR JRPG style. Like that's anime. That's there. I guess they can never. And I don't know if it's like dubbing, like they, they need to, they need to leave as much, you know, extra emotion in there when a character is like conversing because I I I notice it a lot with a with a lot of you know Japanese games that that get come over to the West. There's a lot of those you're, like uh, and ah and oh uh, and, you know. You're absolutely sort of... right, and it, I'm sure it's an anime thing. And I don't watch much anime, so it definitely resonates. The fact that it's like photorealistic graphics half the time makes it really noticeable. Yeah, you have these characters that are like oh oh oh. You know, and like just reacting in in these weirdest, weirdest (laughs) ways. And after playing games like Uncharted 4, The Last of Us, to go back to this sort of thing is crazy. However, again, like this is this is nitpick here. So Final Fantasy 7 still to this day 
I could see being extremely appealing to teenagers. Like there's something, it's really heavy handed on emotions. It's like big emotions in Final Fantasy VII Remake. And in the original Final Fantasy VII, it's the same deal. So I feel like there's two major audiences for it that will really appreciate it. People who were teenagers when the original came out, who are reliving nostalgia and the strong emotions they felt, just the notes of certain musical pieces hit me so hard. Like, and I'm, I just can't believe what sort of power they have over me because they had, when I was my most emotional self, when I was my most sort of like, uh, at the age where I would be most connected to music, that's when that's when I was first exposed to these tracks, right? They're all being remixed or whatever. And the other audience are teens today. Like a, a teen, and you don't think about teens as we've grown up with games and so many of these games are like made for adults now. Like The Last of Us Part Two, it looks amazing. It looks heavy. They, they just released a trailer for it. It looks really heavy. It doesn't look like a type of game that I feel comfortable with my 15 or 16 year old playing. It just is too much, right? It's It has adult themes. It's made by adults for adults, right? The games that got M, rated M, 17 and up, when we were kids, were not really games for adults. They got rated 17 and up because they were immature gore fests or they were like, you know, I don't know. They were ridiculous over the top in some ways. It, was, it wasn't necessarily due to mature themes. Let's just put it that way. Um, and, and so Final Fantasy VII is like, to me, the remake is an exact game that you would play now as a teenager, like a 15 or a 16 year old, and you would get like the absolute most out of it. So like for those of you who are parents of teens right now, I would totally recommend like playing this game. It would, to, to have experienced it growing up and then have your teen play it with you. Oh man, that must be magical because they get their own sort of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so, so that's just the, the preamble, which goes to show you how much this rant is going to get crazy. Uh, so, like, uh, the bottom line is Final Fantasy VII Remake is a better game than the, the original, but it's also a smaller game than the original. It is only a chunk of the larger game. It is the opening section. And what is so cool about the first game is that you you play through, like, six, seven hours in this urban environment in the city. And Final Fantasy were known for their giant, expansive world maps, their airships, and all of this sort of stuff. And none of that is there. And then all of a sudden you leave the city after all sorts of shit transpires and then boom, all of it's there. And it, it, and it feels like the world has just opened up and I love those feelings in video games. There's other games that have them where you suddenly unlock a much larger world. You get off tutorial Island or whatever it is. Um, and uh, they, so, so final fantasy seven remake, they decided we're going to double down on that intro section, really, you know, tease it out make it really fun, really cool, or really interesting, expand on it, and then we'll release the rest of the game in other parts. And, um, I, you know, like a lot of people were cynical about this going in. I didn't care so much. I felt that they would do a good job. Mm-hmm. But as I play, I'm caring more and more because I'm just like, I'm like, oh, there's a lot of things that that are bothering me about the filler. I do you I guess Ryan so I can interrupt my own rant and get another sure, voice sure. in here. Do you feel that there's filler? Like do you notice it the way that I notice it? Uh you know, I think it's um I think in terms of filler, I think where I notice it the most is when the game sort of slows down and opens up for you in in the open areas. But I never uh I never really felt there was filler in sort of the dungeony parts. Um and maybe maybe I'm, we're experiencing the same things, but the filler never it doesn't bother me. I mean, um, yeah. it feels like just games. Uh, that's what games are. They have they have content that isn't on the main path, and you can choose to do it or not. And uh, is right. is that the filler you're talking about, or, or my? Yeah, you know. No, no, you're right. Uh, so there's there's the game is weirdly. Um, I'm going to say bipolar, which sounds so bad. As soon as I say it, I'm like, that's hmm. probably not a term I should use. But it. it in there are worse sense, words you could use. It, in some sense, it's <laughs> divided up into chapters. It's very linear, divided up into chapters. Yeah. Then in another sense, they're like, okay, but certain chapters are going to be kind of open worlds with subquests. It's It really does feel like artificial padding in those chapters because you're moving forward 
and and then all of a sudden you're presented with all these these extra tasks and the extra tasks in true jrpg fashion seem really superfluous especially compared to games like the witcher 3 where they're all very baked in and all the characters that give you those tasks are clearly not rendered to the same level as the characters in your party <laughs> as to important characters in the story they really feel everything about it feels side and throwaway and then meanwhile uh, there's other there's so there's three types of filler to make the game last the amount of time it does. I'm not sure how much of this would be noticed by somebody that didn't play the original, but like there is that one which is the clear filler. Then there is um, what I call uh, the 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 quality filler, and that is additional story content where you grow characters and you grow their relationships and all of this. I'll give you an example. Chapter three, which you've already been through, yeah. Um, you go back to uh, you go visit a side character's mother, and uh, you 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 go on this mission, and they introduce this new antagonist who rides a motorcycle and all of this sort of stuff. It's it's open and shut. It's like an adventure they go on. They come back, and then they get back on the main path. Right? It's it really it is not in the original game. None of it is in the original game, but it adds value because you get to know all these side characters and you mm -hmm. learn more about them and you grow more attached to them. So it's awesome in that regard. Uh, if all the new content was like that, I would be like, amazing. See, but I like I that spinoff. I like that like oh. spinoff adventure. It was, and I thought, oh. But did you feel at the time that it was a spinoff adventure? Or did you just feel like this is part of the main plot? I, uh, so I, so my... My relationship with the original Final Fantasy is that I, through osmosis, understood kind of what, like, the beats. And right, I, okay. I, I thought to myself, like, okay, there's, I I am going to guess that this this specific segment wouldn't have worked or wouldn't have been present in, in the original because it, it, it just feels so much of a departure from um, that time period and how design and video games worked. So that was kind of my thought. But I didn't, I didn't know that was for certain. But I think that you're right like that part didn't feel like a side adventure it felt like it very much could have been lifted from the original in some capacity but they kept you know the the you know the 90s-esque stuff and and that's my big thing about this game is like it feels very 90s in the right moments like doesn't overwhelm right. you with the 90s but you yeah. feel it and i dig that so much and that specific side adventure was really cool um it's crazy how every woman in this game is just after Cloud. I mean, he's dreamy. Don't get me wrong, but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they made Jesse really thirsty. Oh yeah, for really, sure. And she, uh, she, they don't hide it. <laughs> she don't hide no, it. it. But that's it. And that's what I mean about the teenager. Like, there's a level of horniness in the entire game, and <laughs> and you're not and you're not even at the most horny part, which you will know when you are there. Okay, I'll know uh, when it gets more horny. Is what you're saying? Oh man, there is a whole area that is really horny, and I think everybody was wondering how they would handle that area. And I'm guessing really... it's not the orphanage area because that's where I'm at right now, and there's yeah, it's not very horny. Not it's just not the orphanage. Okay, no. uh, but but there is there is an area you'll know when you get there, and like people were wondering because it was borderline not tastefully handled the first time around. Oh, okay, uh, except probably you can eliminate the word borderline from that sentence and uh and this time they've done a really really good job with it like in every way they've enhanced the original replaying the major plot beats all the major plot beats of the original are much better in this version like and so much is awesome but at the same part the same point midgar was definitely not the high point of final fantasy 7 the original and um and so it's it's very crazy to see like it the amount of time they spend here because cloud the main protagonist very doesn't develop much as a character during his time in midgar in the original now that is not to say that they've slavenly stayed true to the all the beats they've changed some things and i haven't finished the game yet and i understand the ending is somewhat controversial and that they may change some major beats moving forward or some major plot elements so i don't take anything for granted but i will say 
that one thing I find uh, really good about this game is the combat, which I was super cynical about going in because I was like, oh, you know, like I have a fondness for the the, the old Final Fantasy VII and, and Final Fantasy combat system, you know, one character after another. And it's sort of like a puzzle almost you solve, especially the bosses. But what I tend to block out is the fact that aside from the bosses, at one point your guys just get so good and you just mash the attack button over and over. And there's these random battles in the originals where you're walking around the map or you're walking around Midgar and it's like random, random. You don't see the enemies on the map. Whereas this game, the combat just feels good. I always enjoy fights, even against the most basic shitty enemies I'm, I'm looking for them if anything i don't enjoy the environmental traversal of which there's a shit ton of and i i'll tell you ryan i think that this generation like the ps4 generation will be like known when you look back at it at it as the generation of squeaking through spaces hmm. um because i played i think three ps4 games in a row where they where the main characters are like shimmying through like two tight places, you know, like a a tight space, and it's clearly to hide loading, right? Like no, yeah. that's what it's that's what it's there for. I just did Jedi Fall in Order. You're fucking sliding between these spaces all the time. How often do you shimmy between anything in real life? Not often, but like I feel like at one point. You know, in 10, 15 years from now, you'll be playing, you'll be going back and be playing a game and it won't even be the graphics that date it. It will be the, the fact that, oh, the guy's slipping between the space. This game is from the PS4, you know? Yeah, um, yeah no, that's anyway. a good point. Uh, a lot of people were, were concerned about the amount of tight spaces that Cloud and his crew had to, had to work their way through. And Really? Other people mentioned this? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a big thing. Uh, a friend of oh, mine. Oh, I did. I didn't even know that. I thought I was super smart. God no, well, it. I mean, you're not. You, you are super smart. Don't get me wrong. Um, oh, yeah, but I think like you're right, and and this brings um, sort of a tangent. We're going to talk about on, on the gamers in this week, and you know, Xbox Series X unveiled their first uh, their first actual gameplay um, of third party uh, games, and a lot of people are disappointed in that it looks like a you know just a, a slight bump up from the current gen, and I mean. There are certain bottlenecks we're dealing with here where graphics can only get so good. Um, yeah. And and what is actually going to be targeted with this new hardware is is the issues you're addressing, which is load times. So developers won't need to hide a load behind an elevator or a cramped space. They can just have it stream into the game and avoid those slow down, you know, the walk and talks and slow down of the characters in order to load that in. So... Uh, possibly final fantasy 7 remake part 2 the you know could see yeah. that eliminated right on and on honestly they if it's to tr stay true to the original they will desperately need that and maybe you know that could be part of the the uh, logic behind the episodic releases anyway i haven't finished final fantasy 7 mm. although i'm near the end you definitely have not finished it no i feel that we will talk about it again uh and i i realize that i've already have probably hijacked a lot of your dungeons time is there <laughs> something that you would like to to profile well yeah for sure and and you know before we jump to that i will say uh it would be really cool to uh finish final fantasy 7 remake have a have a like a full-on spoiler conversation and even get into um get into the original game as well and what's changed and stuff and have like an in-depth similar to what we did with endgame and and do something like that so maybe uh you and i can talk off air and see what what timelines look like i've i've kind of been playing other stuff and i need to go back to it i fully intend to finish it but my bar is basically finish it before last of us part two comes out in june uh which is around the corner but uh yeah and i will just l uh, say to that effect ryan mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I have been waiting for a game like Final Fantasy VII Remake, and this show is is about balancing our our interests and such. But like, we're in quarantine mode right now. We're in isolation mode. I've been playing a ton of Animal Crossing with Gwen. See last episode for details on that. And so that's a great quarantine game for a certain type. But for the Crofton needs decompression time in the evening. You know, Final Fantasy VII remake it just fits the bill and I, I would say to you like don't you know don't rush it if you're enjoying no. it and all of that and you only have a finite amount of time like take advantage because when it's over like i don't know I don't, I don't know what's next in terms of what games i will look into yeah i think for me like i'm 
I'm, I guess I'm going to say uh, you and I are, are, are lucky in the sense that obviously we're lucky in the sense that we have wonderful children and we get to spend time with them because of what's going on in the world. Uh, but a lot of people who, you know, are looking to video games to fill, fill time when they're not able to work or they're working less hours and uh, video games are a great escape to sort of take a break from everything that's going on and like you said, decompress. And uh, yeah, like I think a lot of people are going to be running through new releases. I think when you look at new releases coming out in the summer, we talked about it at the start of the show, you're going to probably experience a drought in video games come fall. Like who's to say all those September games are going to make their September releases as countries continue the work from home uh, initiative but it'll be interesting to see so I am I am kind of holding on to it but I'm not at a point where I'm starved for content because I haven't really had a lot of time to play video games so I have a lot of unfinished yeah, video yeah. games laying around right <laughs> for, for sure I hear that and the and I would say it's a good time to catch up as well mm-hmm. the other thing that they're looking like geniuses for is that the sales of the original Final Fantasy 7 which is available on PS4 as well are through the goddamn roof because your your game ends on a cliffhanger and it's like <laughs> oh oh wait a second the original game is there and and you only need to play like five or six hours to catch up to where you were in in having played that 40 hour game and you can you know continue with the story i'll i'll albeit with shittier graphics right um so so they are smart and i if it had been a full game remake i'm not sure that they would have seen that bump in sales to the original so yeah. anyway very very savvy business savvy that's good no it's and i mean that remake that's that's just goes to show it's a good remake so uh, we'll talk more about it in the near future when both of us have had some more time with it uh i did want to you know quickly touch on uh something we haven't talked about so uh this isn't a video game it's a netflix series and everyone's talking about it so i'm not going to spend a lot of time on it but i want to spend some time on like my experience with it and that is tiger king uh You've obviously heard of this because everyone, again, has been talking about it, right? Everyone's talking about it. And also, like, Netflix has started to report, you know, the top 10, what's hot now. Like, they used to hide all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just constantly on the stupid cover of my Netflix. <laughs> yeah. I like, know. oh, number one, Tiger King. Oh, watch this. And I, you know how it autoplays the trailer? Well, at one point, like it was autoplaying the trailer and my wife was like, we are never watching that. And I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, I know. Fair, fair enough. And then meanwhile, I have a buddy, who, the, the closest that I could think of to the Tiger King guy in real life, who's sending me, who's <laughs> sending bow, me these it? messages. No, but that would make sense. But he, he said he'd be these messages. He's like, have you seen Tiger King yet? So good. Amazing. You know, so I'm interested in your thoughts. Uh, okay. So here's the thing. I'm, uh, it's a sliding scale. Like when you watch Tiger King and you watch the first episode, it's very easy for, for you or anyone really to just be like, this is, this is not great. This is not good. Why is everyone talking about this? Like it's the, it's the, it's how to make a murderer, returned you know the the last big netflix documentary that had everyone running in circles um so ashley and i started watching it because uh television is another thing that's kind of going into a bit of a drought as well as not only you have you know seasons finishing but you even have shows like the walking dead completely pushing out their season finale because they weren't able to get it done so ashley and i are running out of shows to watch together and we you know don't let there's a lot of like a lot of serious dramas were behind on. So we wanted something a little uh, lighter, like a little more comedic. So I said, well, everyone's talking about Tiger King. Let's check it out. And it's very much a rough start as it, it starts to focus on these very clearly like animal abuse issues where people are collecting these exotic animals and breeding them and creating zoos and, and, uh, and, and creating these very, in my opinion, dangerous setups for these animals that uh, that should be better taken care of, right? And um, I know there are, there's a place for zoos, and and we have a zoo here in town, and I've been to the Toronto Zoo, and uh, they they do their their best to make sure you know these animals are taken care of, and they're properly fed, and they're properly um, they're given the environment they need to to sort of live a a, a life. Um, but, uh, in Tiger King, you very much don't, don't 
see that. This is this is not that side of of keeping animals. These are private zoos. They're not regulated, and they're all characters. Like all the people who own these zoos are on the scale of crazy from one, to, like from five to eleven, right? And and that's the documentary. It's that's the first episode. It very much focuses on introducing these different zookeepers who are all on this sliding scale, and that's where the first episode can be really hard to watch. For uh, and I'm not judging folks, but there's a lot of scenes that are like very much. If this is a documentary about animals being abused, like I don't really want to watch this. Like I kind of want to turn it off. But then it introduces the complexities of these characters and how oh they're not just crazy zookeepers they are they are not only on the sliding scale of crazy they're on the sliding scale of like criminal enterprises and and their interactions with their own social circle and then interactions with the other zoos just gets more and more complex as each episode ends it's very much set up in a way where this guy who's doing the documentary clearly went to this to the zoo to, to research um, private zoos and to find out more about why people do it and 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 is it is it a good thing for these animals? Um, spoiler: alert, It's not. Uh, so it starts there, but then he quickly finds these stories related to these people and and starts telling them and finds more and more crazy shit, and that's how the show kind of goes off the rails and just gets crazier and crazier to the point where at the end of the second episode, you start to understand like, oh, okay, they're going to spend the next episode talking about this specific crazy plot point, And there's no way it can get crazier. Spoiler alert, Crofton, it gets crazier. And I think that's why people are over the moon about this show because it just keeps getting crazier. Uh, how many, how many episodes are there? How long there's, is it? seven or six there's like there's the there's the documentary i think there's seven or eight and then there's like a interview at the end with uh, joel McHale. He does like an after show special yeah. i haven't finished it yet so i haven't finished the whole thing but this is the struggle is like the first episode is it's all well done but it's rough in the sense that you're not quite seeing like i'm not watching eight episodes of a documentary about why these 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 zoos are, are crazy and they should be shut down. It's like, yeah, they're crazy and they should be shut down. Um, but it's really not. A, unfortunately, it's really not about the animals. It's about the people who who choose to have these animals. Um, and that's crazy the, and should be shut down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, yeah. Uh, it's just it's just one of those things that, and that's the unfortunate part is that. You, when you explain Tiger King, it kind of sounds like you're brush, you know, brush. Don't think about the animals. Just look at these. It's like look at this car crash, you know. And unfortunately, it's that's that's how people are reacting to the show, and it very much is. But uh, I don't know if, and this is obviously a documentary that takes place in the states. I'm pretty sure in Canada, this stuff. I'd be surprised if it wasn't outlawed. I mean, we even have specific laws about like um, marine uh, marine land type places, right? But uh, I don't know. I could be completely wrong about about our. No, own no. I'm I'm pretty sure it's. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's, it's very limited and and very uh, monitored and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. There's a place near near my house called Park Omega, which is like a nature, a, a, a nature sanctuary, and every one every animal seems to be taken very well care mm. of there. It's all local fauna to the region and that sort of thing. Um, I guarantee this is an American thing. And that's that that, it is the car crash TV element of it all that makes it appealing to me. Like, I'm like, Oh man, everybody's talking about this. Like it's clearly something that would not happen in Canada. It's crazy. um, You know, but at the same time, like I keep seeing these headline articles about the guy who plays, who is the tiger King. Yeah. Uh, Joe exotic. Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) and (laughs) no, it works. And, and, uh, and um, Joe Exotic is like, you know, you know, I guess Nicolas Cage is going to play him in some movie. And uh, he's just he's just like he, I get the impression that Joe Exotic, the man, has been desperate for the type of attention that this show is granting him now. Infamy mm-hmm. sometimes and that he is just relishing it. And for me to add on to that, like makes me feel like I need to shower, you know, so. 
That's that's the thing. I'm really tempted to watch it. Don't get me wrong. I'm very tempted. But at the same point, I don't want to like support anything that has to do with this really, you know? So unless Yeah, that's a- that's the struggle. That's definitely the struggle in like do you, by watching this documentary, do you feel like you're supporting people who think this type of treatment to animals is is normal um and and acceptable? And I think that's the thing where it's like I don't have a good answer for that in that, yeah, you're going to watch this. And in the background, in the back of your mind, it's like, okay, clearly this guy's a, a bad person. He's done these bad things to these people, but he's also supporting this very, very bad trait of having, having exotic animals. Like I'm all for zoos rescuing animals and um, keeping them as comfortable as possible because re- reintroducing them to the wild would just be, you know, signing their death warrant. I- I'm all for that. Um, but uh, this is not that at all. Like there's even like a, a, a core group in this documentary that are that are clearly about saving these animals, but they're still putting animals in, in small cages. Like this isn't like the Toronto Zoo where you have a big, you know, uh, exhibit for uh, a large cat and that's still not enough space for it but at least you're giving it as much as you can right in this instance they're putting big cats in like these small cages smaller or about the size of my office right which is not crazy big for a a 600 pound tiger so if that is an issue like if that's something that you're not able to watch like it's always going to be there in but but the plot points just get crazier and crazier to the point where both for good and bad falls to the sidelines. And maybe at the end of it, there is this like, you know, the, the five minute sort of post documentary updates title cards. And maybe most of those are like, all these zoos are shut down and don't worry. The animals are fine. Maybe that makes it all better. I don't know. I I doubt it. I'm sure the animals are all still at the zoos, but, uh, it's, um, it's wild stuff. And I mean, if you're looking for something to, to throw on and just, be like, how is this world this crazy? <laughs> it's really interesting. Did Ashley like it? I think, uh, and here's the thing. Ashley is on the same boat as me in that the animal cruelty is very is very tough to ignore, but being a documentary, like they don't shy away from it. They show it uh, and they and they address it. But it's the, it's the craziness and the ramp up and just the what the hell is happening here. That's what I think, it has kept Ashley interested and, and myself interested in that it's it's so wild that you just kind of enjoy it because like man we don't we just don't get that kind of stuff around here like it's cool to have not cool but it's interesting to have these like this craziness to to witness without having to actually experience it in person yeah insane i i may cave at one point but you should I'm watch not... uh, you'd have to watch two episodes to understand what i'm talking about and i i'm i'm not there yet yeah you'll get there it's gonna be Maybe a long after COVID. Final fantasy. yeah a long covid and i'll be done final fantasy 7 and then joe exotic will be singing his siren song oh my me. god they all sing don't like they all sing <laughs> it's wild oh, great um all right, uh, so I think my rant on Final Fantasy VII and your rant on your love for Joe Exotic has <laughs> has uh, has pushed us quite deep into the podcast. Yeah. Um, let's let's uh, let's get moving right into the uh, the diapers real quick. And I don't have a ton mm-hmm. to say. Like it it started to wear on the girls. Like uh, not Clara, she's two. This is her new status quo. But Gwen in particular, I could see like. You know, I talked, I think, in the past about wanting her to have something to look forward to every day as a five-year-old. It's becoming more and more challenging. And uh, um, she's, you know, she's starting to feel it. She's starting to get emotional. I don't want to say she's acting out because really I think that any sort of emotion that she's experiencing is very reasonable for the situation that she finds herself in. Um, so it's been, it's been, uh, you know, tricky. And I'd say we're like getting back to my analogy at the beginning about us being in the crunch of it all right now, the grind, that's where it feels like we really are in terms of um, parenting and childcare. Uh, but the only other th- thing of note is that the city I'm in, Ottawa, just announced that they're opening back up the parks and at, not the playgrounds, but the um, the green space that surrounds the parks. Like often some some parks are just green space. 
um, but uh, for us, that that is a huge win. Like we've been a few times, and I'm impressed that my two year old listens to me. The green space is big enough that you can only see the play structures kind of at a distance. Nobody else is on them. She seems to get it. Like that part is closed. Mm-hmm. But um, it just means like we can bring the soccer ball and like just kick it around and and run, and they can run and explore a new area. And it's just like it's a little mercy. This one thing that's opened up, and and uh, you know. Um, there's no, there's not many other families that are out there now, but you're supposed to just be with your family at safe distance from others. And we're not in a densely populated city, like some, some cities are. So it's, it's easy to accommodate that request. So I'd say that's the only thing that's like, life is a bit, is a bit easier. The weather is turning. We're prepping the backyard a bit and stuff. So how are things going with you guys uh, on the diapers side of things? Yeah. I mean, in terms of um, getting the kids outdoors, uh, so Peterborough has a lot of trail systems and a lot of uh, local areas where you can kind of, um, to use like a, like a, a paddling term like put in at different areas right like you could drive up a little further road and, and hit the trail at that entrance you can hit the trail at a different parking lot it's all connected and it's all very you know different and um that's how we and those trails aren't closed like you said the the park uh structures are closed and Caden gets it and and abby even gets it to a sense where both Caden and abby will will ask like is the virus over there and i'm like yeah you can't touch the playgrounds um it's not safe as soon as they're open by golly we'll be over here and you can certainly enjoy it but until then we just have to keep our our, our distance and you know there's you know they're talking about social distancing and they're you know they're doing the whole thing uh but we'll uh we'll go to you know ashley will look up at uh, trails and we'll just we'll go for a drive and we'll hit up a trail for an hour and um you know we we did a we went to Millbrook, which is a small town outside of Peterborough, and uh, they have a, a conservation authority trail system that's uh, it all through a forest and just a bunch of these like footpaths, these these bridges, uh, and we just you basically just we had the whole place to ourselves and said to the kids like, okay, just keep walking, and there's a bridge every you know every couple minutes, and they they loved it like it's not the same as hitting the playground and getting to sit on the bench and sip your coffee and the kids have fun and you join them occasionally. But going for these trail walks has been a lot of fun. It hurt my back because Abby will only walk for a certain distance until she asks for a piggyback ride. And it's like, oh gosh, you're, you're getting up there, kid. Like starting to get tough, but yeah. uh, it, it was, it's been nice. I mean, uh, to the point where the kids are starting to get a little overtired so we've we we're doing it like every day and it's which is nice for ashley and i because we get to get out and enjoy the 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 warm weather but uh it's it's been taking a, a toll on the kids a little bit but um yeah it's been it's been fun and you know here locally i can't remember if i talked about it but up the street there is a house where uh these teenagers have these these large oversized uh stuffed animals and they will stupid teens and their <laughs> stuffed animals. <laughs> well, no, uh, yeah, exactly. But these teens and their stuffed animals are setting up like a new display every day with these stuffed animals for the kids in the neighborhood to come check. I so, bet they're all dirty and sexual. Uh, I mean, the closest we've gotten to like, uh, sort of like inappropriate would maybe be, uh, the stuffies like engaging in beer pong or, or, uh, drinking drinking games that sort of thing and even then that can be explained away as like oh they're just having some fun that's all water it's all good you know? i just think it would be really funny because i i picture you as this like very <laughs> What's innocent and na- naive man and that you'll be walking down <laughs> and like the, the two stuffies are literally 69ing and you're like wow look at that they're cuddling guys you know and okay. you're like if ryan disney <laughs> ryan doesn't even see it anyway okay, i see that's great I mean, That's like, great, Ryan. Uh, I didn't see that, but there, you know, it, it's been, it's been a good uh, sort of drive to the kids of being like, you know, let's go outside, let's go see the stuffies, let's see what they're doing, like, or when we're out for a drive, oh, let's drive by the stuffies and and see what they've uh, what they've set up, and uh, it's been a real treat to have this this changing daily routine to to have something new to see to to convince the kids to at least 
go out down the street and turn around and come back and like just to get that fresh air and to have like you said give the kids something to look forward to and funny enough for both Caden and Abby it's really been something that they look forward to because you even said you can say to them like oh well you know tomorrow morning we'll go see the stuffies and we'll see what what they did you know to the point where we forgot to go and then Caden was upset before bed we didn't see what the stuffies were doing I'm like oh yeah um tomorrow (laughs) you know and uh it's the little things right especially for for these kids where it's like they they know a world before this and it was playgrounds and preschool and seeing their friends and now now it's now it's not for the foreseeable future right but uh yeah it's been uh it's it's been good it's funny because it's like there's there's a couple of neighbors around us that also like every year, not to the extent of those st- stuffy teen, teens, but like, they, well, even more so because the stuffy teens are only doing it because it's isolation. I think they're there's, also bored too, and they're having fun with it. There's a couple of folks that that are that around my area that put out things like be it toys in their front yard. Or like there's this house that puts up all these plastic dinosaurs. And um, the idea is that the kids can, neighborhood kids can play with them. And they just come and they play in the front yard. And we go on walks sometime and Clara knows where the dinosaur house is and the different things. But it is super funny because this year they've, they've done stuff like they've put on, they've put up signs that say stuff like, like, please don't touch the toys. And I'm just like, why did you put the toys out this year, you idiots? Like, for Christ's sake, my two-year-old sees all these dinosaurs. She's going to want to play with them. You know, like, at least the stuffies are up on up on the porch or whatever. There's a distance. But a lot of these a lot of these houses that set, have put out their stuff as per normal, but have just put up signs saying, don't touch them. I'm <laughs> like, what? Why would you do that? Anyway. I think there's going to be a lot of those, like, traditions i was even seeing specifically in your area like the tulip festival like people saying like do we really want to put on this display and then try to encourage people not to visit it and i it's and i and i think that's where the thing is like we have to get we should try to get used to this the practices we have to do without sacrificing what we might not need to sacrifice like when it comes to like you said like putting putting stuff out like these traditions of of displaying things uh people should be like oh yeah i shouldn't touch that you know unless it's like wiped down or i wipe it down which it's not so like even all like, right yeah the the sign actually says i'm gonna read it because i took a photo <laughs> it says the dinosaurs are very sorry they can't play with you this year and I'm like, that's cute and all. And they put little masks on all the dinosaurs, which whatever. But but there's a lot of dinosaurs out on their front yard. And, and like, you just could have put the sign out without the dinosaurs. And, and it would be like, okay, you go and you'd be like, oh, the dinosaurs aren't here. Look, there's a sign there. Uh, they can't play with you. Sorry. But instead, you put all the dinosaurs out and the kids are like, oh, man, check out these dinosaurs. And you're like, no, 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 no. Don't touch them. There's a sign that you're not old enough to read yet. And even if I read it to you, you won't give a shit. Here, hang on, you know. And so uh, so it, it to me, that that's the element that I just sort of found a little bit ridiculous. But that said, I can't shit on people trying to do nice things and trying mm-hmm. to trying to do all that it's just it was a funny it was sort of a funny it is uh it's our it's our current normal right uh and and uh it's just something we're gonna have to have to deal with um but other than that uh you know isabel's a month old kind of getting i think we've gotten in a good groove with uh with her like you had asked me if i was getting sleep and i currently the way things have been working is you know, uh, Ashley will go to bed once Isabel's, you know, ready in the evening. Sometimes that's 930. Sometimes that's, you know, 11. It really depends. And then uh, I'll go to bed as well. And then in the morning, I'm with, I'm up with the kids. Uh, Ashley is up with Isabel because she's very much interested in eating and we're not doing bottle feeding at this time. Uh, and then I'll wake up with the kids around 6, 630 I'll basically tell them like you you make a peep and wake mommy up and we're all dead. Uh, so let's just go downstairs and have breakfast and try to be quiet. 
And that gives uh, Ashley a couple hours of sleep. And, and then essentially we just make our way through the day as best we can in terms of going for trail rides and, and just, uh, you know, hanging out and maybe cleaning or, or doing some stuff in the backyard. But I think we've hit a pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, sort of schedule, right? Like we're on, we're on a, we're on a, we're in a good routine. So that's, well, that's no, that's point. good. And that's what you need. And like, it's funny because soon as, as soon as you get used to it as a new parent, Oh, it'll change. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, man, this is sweet. Now I'll stay up late tonight because we're in a total routine that will never change. And then it's like that, that's the, the time you get screwed. Anyway. Yeah. Like, and, and that's the thing I asked, you know, I noticed during the day, you know, Isabel's been a little crankier and I asked Ashley like, how, how was last night? And uh, she said, oh, yeah, she was up a little little more. And I'm like, oh, she must, you know, she's a month. There's a growth spurt in a month. And, I mean, I know I, I know, I don't, you know, get used to it because I know it's it's going to change. And I, and you're right. The day I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I'll make a coffee and stay up like another hour and just uh, enjoy some enjoy some Final Fantasy or some XCOM. And, and sure enough, it's, uh, nope, that was not the one. Because, honestly, I say, I say it, Ashley, I say it every time I say it. Every time I, I get a chance, like, hey, you know, if you need me to get up and just, you know, uh, bounce with Isabel for a little bit so you get like a, you know, get some sleep, by no means am I saying like, wake me up at six when the kids are up. It's like, it's very much a team effort. I'm on, I'm home with the kids as well. But uh, so far, this has been our norm. And I, this is the thing. We might come back in two weeks and I'm like, dear God, why did I even say that out loud? Because now it's, uh, it's completely shifted. <laughs> and i'm really tired uh but as of right now things are going pretty good and we're in we're in a good routine and and uh i'll definitely keep everybody posted but that's uh that's pretty much it that's what i got for diapers and i think that's the show crofton what do you say that's the show it is the show and uh i know like these coronavirus shows are almost therapy sessions at this point but um (laughs) But uh, I'm glad that we're able to do them, and I hope that everybody out there is is weathering the storm as best that they can, and know that it's uh, it's okay to not be okay in a tough uh, in a tough period of time and such. So uh, we really appreciate our regular listeners. Uh, we really appreciate anybody uh, who wants to share their experiences during COVID and all that. So uh, mm-hmm. maybe you could do the business. I'll do the business and said business will allow you to share your thoughts. You can visit us on the web at tgistudios.com slash dad. Email the show dad at tgistudios.com. Follow us on Twitter. You can find myself at R. Murphy and Crofton at Crofton Steers. And uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Dungeons and Diapers. Have yourself a great week. Stay safe. Stay busy. And we'll talk later. Bye, everybody. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, oh, Final Fantasy VII. Uh, when uh, Barrett sings the battle ending music. A lot of people might think that's cheesy, but I thought it was cute, and it was not very, only very nineties. It was, uh, it was, but then he does it a zillion other times. <laughs> so like, like and it, it fits is... in my mind to his character that he would keep yeah. doing it, and no one tells him to shut up. But like, that's da, 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 da. because it becomes a thing that he does after fights randomly, and yeah. then there's some plot moments where he'll do it, like oh, really? I did this side quest recently where you're just getting music CDs for this girl, and we did yeah, it, guys. <laughs> yeah, like you win a match in the Coliseum, he's like, da, 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 but uh, yeah. No, it's uh, it is really funny how that they try to. They're like, how do we work this in?